Hello, my name is Maggie Taggart. I'm a broadcast journalist and I was BBC Northern Ireland's education correspondent for 20 years. Now I've linked up with the Equality Commission for a series of podcasts on tackling educational inequalities. We'll be looking at the problems and also the innovative ideas to deal with them. Today I'm speaking to Anne Pendleton, who's project manager for the Full Service Community Network. It's a project managed by the CCMS, the Council for Catholic Maintained Schools. And with her is Sharon Nelson, whose organisation, the White Rock Children's Centre, uses the community network. Anne, can we start with you first of all? This phrase, community network project and a full service, what does that mean and what does it do? Essentially, uh, it's about um, reducing educational disadvantage. So the network is about providing a wraparound service for children in schools. We draw on resources from other organisations and services. But we also um, provide a team of teachers and one youth worker um, and an EAL teacher who then work in the schools and provide literacy and numeracy support to children in 25 schools across the areas of Upper Springfield and Greater Falls. Essentially, the schools will have a teacher for one day per week. That's uh, given to the school, free, gratis for nothing, free gratis to use for nothing. as they want. Well, basically, yeah, well, f- the focus is really on early intervention. So it's identifying, we'll work with the teachers, with the Senko in the school and identify children who need a, wee bit, a bit of support. And it could be the children are, are um, underachieving or low achievement um, or could have particular needs. So we would then support that child by working with them on a one-to-one or else a small group basis. And I suppose, you know, who doesn't thrive in a, in a small group or on a one-to-one basis? So it gives children an opportunity to progress and to meet their full potential in a supported way within the school. I presume this has always been needed, but has only recently been provided? Well, I've been in the organisation since 2015, but it, it started in 2008 as a response to a need primarily within the Upper Springfield area around family support and family learning. And then they looked at the model of full service, which emanates from America originally, whereby schools became the hub, really, for support. And the a school would be a full service school, whereby the school would then draw in resources from a ra- wide range of services to support the needs of the children in the school. In West Belfast, the school that it emanated from was Corpus Christi College. And like lots of things in West Belfast, democracy is, is prevalent. So what we what the schools kind of voted with their feet and said, look, we prefer if this doesn't all this resource didn't go into one particular school, but if the resource were spread around a number of schools. So we work with primary, post-primary and the Irish medium sector and also the nurseries. So we have teachers who would go into nursery school one day and the next day they'd go into the primary schools and they would support small groups of children throughout that day. And has the personality of those areas, the culture and the makeup of those areas changed much since you started? Very dynamic. I think we're very, very lucky that the west of the city is vibrant. It's very supportive. It's a very innovative project, very hardworking community development ethos in the community. And we're supported by a range of organisations, you know, from the Partnership Board to Healthy Living Centres to Extended Schools. And that provides then uh, working with organisations like the Family Support Hub as well. That that can kind of generate support and 
and give that support directly to the children and families who, who need it. We also have a, um, a contract with a counselling service. We provide counselling services for 13 primary schools, which is probably unique. And so that's provided um, throughout the year and that's done with Relate. So we have partnership with Relate for that. And can you chart what the success rate has been or what the impact has been? We can see, certainly, we can see, we measure, for example, we look at uh, children's literacy and numeracy scores at the beginning of the year. So we work along with teachers and SENCOs, identify where the children sit in those scores and then we will uh, assess that throughout the year in a very supportive way and then with the children and then at the end of the year we'll get the scores from the school. So we can see then a steady progression in both literacy and numeracy uh, in all of the years that we've provided that service. All funders want to know whether the money they've put in is actually achieving change and this, uh, these podcasts are about educational underachievement. So has it improved the level of achievement? Certainly, it has. We uh, on, Year on year, we can see uh, an improvement on, in the children's literacy university. Now, given that these last couple of years we've been in, in lockdown, and that's been a challenge, and we've seen children maybe regressing. It's our job then to kind of to to build that those skills and those uh, the confidence up again. So that has been a challenge for us. Yes. So we're on we're under the umbrella of the the red team, which is reducing educational disadvantage team from the Department of Education. So it's uh, that's we work alongside the first art document. We're looking at at that and seeing how we can tackle early intervention. But we're also supporting teachers as well and providing professional learning for teachers, and particularly teachers who are working with this, I suppose, new dynamic within our schools, which are our newcomers and asylum seekers, of which we have a number of schools in our areas who are sitting with maybe 26 different languages in their classrooms. And um, so we've been supporting teachers for the last number of years and we've been providing webinars, we've been providing training for teachers and, and support. We've uh, trained eight teachers within the area, teachers and classroom assistants, in both primary and post-primary to deliver with a CELTA programme, so it's a certificate in English language teaching for primary and post-primary. So we're the first organisation to run that for primary and, and post-primary schools. So that's a resource that the, that the schools can use as well. Well, turning to you, Sharon Nelson, I suppose we could describe the White Rock Children's Centre as one of the users of what Anne has been talking about. So what do you see uh, is the biggest bonus to you and your organisation? I suppose what Anne does and what they, they do in schools is like invaluable to what we do. It, it sort of complements. I mean, our organisation is very much in the heart of the community. Our family support hub has actually been about from 2015. Um, the organisation, the White Rock Children's Centre, has been about 33 years. Um, so partnership has always been something that has been very key to what we do. And we couldn't do the work we did without the services around the table, including Anne's service. And the Family Support Hub is for families from 0 to 18. And it is something that the families can use, can be referred in by Anne as a service who, who sits on our hub, or the families themselves can self-refer in. And it can be for a multitude of reasons. It could be counselling, practical support. It could be one-to-one emotional and behavioural support, all of which can be highlighted through Anne's project. You know, there may be issues that come up when Anne's team are actually working with the young people that they then will come to us as a family support hub and say, is this service available? Is this something that the family could refer into? And it just complicates, com- com- not complicates, but com- <laughs> complements anything that they're doing uh, as a team. And we, we work with each other on a regular basis and we couldn't do it without them.
there's a lot of talk about children's mental health and yep. how it's deteriorated yep. and how it's not getting enough attention. If you had a child or a family that said, my child's having a problem, would that speed up some sort of referral or some yes. sort of attention? I mean, see, sometimes, I mean, I'm a parent myself, so sometimes it's about knowing what services are there. It's about being able to go to that, that organisation or that family support hub and for them to talk to you about what services are out there because every area is different. We are very lucky um, where we are based that we have such great services around the table and as Anne has already said, dedicated people um, who go above and beyond in a lot of ways of what they need to do um, to make sure that the family are getting the service that they need. Especially with COVID, we've, we've seen an increase in the amount of referrals in for emotional and behavioural support. And as Anne said, there is support available within schools in terms of counselling and everything else, which is amazing. But because of the increase in maybe children needing that extra additional support, there's a need for other services or there's a need for additional hours or there's a need for um, other services to complement. I mean, we've seen an increase in people looking play therapy. Um, we've seen an increase in um, people looking counselling, that's adults and young people services. For example, say from April to December of this year, our family support hub has worked with over 308 families. And that's for the Upper Springfield White Rock area. So that's not for any other area. There's other hubs outside us and they, they deal with other areas, if you know what I mean. So basically White Rock, Upper Springfield, Ballamurphy, that's only that small catchment area. And there's 308 families have availed already from April to December. Can you pinpoint why there's been that increase in demand? I think for a lot of people, they find it really difficult at the moment. I mean, they find it difficult financially. A lot of times, practical support. I mean, there's a real increase in people needing services um, to help with, you know, whether or not they're heating their home or whether or not the gas, the price of gas and electric has went up, really. And it's not just people who people might perceive to be on benefits. It's also working people um, who maybe have went down a wage or potentially, you know, someone has lost hours or someone's had to come out of work because of long COVID or all those range of reasons. Also to being in the house, being isolated, um, children going back to school. I mean, I see it even in my own home. I have I have two children and uh, one child in particular found it really difficult to go back to school. The whole anxiety of being around people and the whole pandemic and having to wear a mask and all of that has all added to the stresses of everyday life for a lot of those families and a lot of children and maybe even just in terms of whether or not they're able to pick up a book. I mean, like, um, you know, like even through the, the last couple of years, like even families who needed help with um, schoolwork, you know, like, and didn't have the technology at home. I mean, and that was something we, we really worked in partnership with because um, it was something that she was identifying families that possibly needed tablets. We were able to access them in whatever way that we could through different funders, Belfast City Council and other places. And we were able to then avail of that. And it was great because there was kids out there who didn't have the technology to actually sit on Google Classroom. And we were able to provide a tablet for them to be able to do that. So, Anne, during that, that first lockdown when children weren't able to go to school, so you had a lot to do with getting them the technology into the house? Yeah, that was really just teachers at that stage. You know, we were locked down just saying, we need help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I you basically reach, I mean, my, my background is community development. So I reach, reached out to anybody, anybody on my contact list to say, can you help? Has anybody got an old computer? In the house? And, and, you know, and I, I, mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not an expert in any of this, but it's knowing where the connections are. And I think that's the important thing. So we, we kind of reached uh, reached out to connections, contacts, and um, friends, and said, "Look, anybody, any old computers sitting in the house? Can we get them refurbished?" We were supposed to uh, during the, the first lockdown. We were supposed to we had uh, set aside some funding to 
run a summer school. That was going to happen. So we said, look, is it okay if we use this then to purchase a number of computers? So we purchased a number of computers and got them reconditioned and we delivered them then. I, I literally delivered them around to the families who were most in need. So we just took a list and then from there we then reached out for I mean, St Mary's, for example, where, where I'm based in St Mary's University College. They give us a number of um, iPads for children. Got those computers. We got um, iPads from, from the Family Support Hub. And we even had the, the, the Intercultural Education Service contacting us and saying, Anne, you can get them quicker than we can. So <laughs> it was, it was just, and, and that's, you know, it was just the bureaucracy. I think the department, there was the will there to do it, but it just took a long, lot longer um, in terms of the bureaucracy around getting the, that the kind of equipment and getting it, getting it, getting it ready for, for, for students and learners and families. I'm interested to know how you, you chose where they should go and you have a lot of newcomer families in now. Did, did they need extra help? Well, basically, we, my referral point would be the schools. So the schools know the families individually, you know, more than we would. And they would they would have a list of families who they knew weren't connecting. You know, they've, they've obviously set up Google, Google Classroom and the number of children who and families who maybe would phone in and say, look, we don't have a tablet or we haven't got a Wi-Fi access or we haven't got any data. And so we were, you know, one of the ideas we had was kind of can, can, can children and families drive into the car park in the school and be safe, but also hook into their Wi-Fi. So it was just things like that. And um, did you do that? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like somebody had like a child had to hand in her homework and she couldn't, you know, she had pieces of work done, but she had no no data. So she went to the car park in the school and hooked in the Wi-Fi. So there's yeah, so it was things like that 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 just and families who maybe weren't maybe just were embarrassed because they just didn't have the technology and didn't want to come forward. And so yeah, so there was the schools mainly identified in, in terms of priority. So they prioritised them, and then we got them ready, just got the computers and then and delivered them. Delivered them and yeah. we also we also at one point through the White Rock Children's Centre had got funding for a little bit of funding to do a homework club because we were realising that there was a lot of young people who were falling behind in their schoolwork and it was inundated. The school It was very popular. The schools were contacting on a regular basis and we run it from a Monday to a Thursday and there was just schools from Red Cross were asking can we get a place for the kids to come in and they loved it. We had, a, we had someone who was a qualified teacher come in and they were able to get their homework done and we provided the, the computers and stuff for yeah. them to be able to do that. And it yeah. meant that they didn't. I mean, any parent out there knows if someone else can help you with homeworks, it's always a bonus. Um, so they ha- they really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so I think it's trying to just it's just, it's having the networking connections, and I think that's important. I think no organisation is an island, mm-hmm. and I think that it's the ability to kind of just to, to reach out and to use and utilise the services that are, that are there, and that and that's and the, some of the, our schools are very very good at doing that. Most of our schools are very very good at doing that, and that's I, I suppose that makes it work. You've painted us a picture of a very efficient organisation. Have you any challenges left? Oh my goodness, <laughs> we're we're we like you know. I suppose, and I've worked in the voluntary and community sector for you know a long time, and I'm used to the notion of uh, the, the the funding cycle, really, in a sense. So we're basically funded on, the, on an annual basis. So we constantly, I my job is really trying to motivate our our staff to try and recruit staff, knowing that you've got a year long contract when the potential is that you could be working in the school and have you know a, a you know full time permanent contract 
So the challenges are in, in relation to funding. That's always known. We've got a obviously a, a, a policy now of documents that are around, let's say, the, I mentioned the first start earlier on to say, look, yes, early intervention uh, works and is being supportive. Uh, and, and, and these kind of interventions do work. It's how do we fund them on a longer term basis? And I think that's the challenge. But you know, bottom line is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm used to that. I could paper the walls with redundancy notices I've had every every year for the last God knows number of years. And and we get over that. But it's I think it's it's one of those things that uh, um, people do go above and beyond and their focus is on, are on the children. And we have, um, we were talking earlier on about the counselling service. We also have, we, one of our members of staff does emotional, social and emotional support and does a transition programme in the schools and she works with all the primary sevens transitioning over to the big school. Um, and during lockdown, we then well, we, got, we, we kind of put together a booklet, which was all the things parents need to know in terms of you know moving children moving from one one school to another, and, and all with all the trauma that came with that. So we ended up doing a, like a Zoom session with some of our parents. We delivered, I delivered, we delivered the um, the booklets to the families, and then we worked through them with, on a Zoom with their parents. They worked through the the, the booklets, and um, just even seeing their their, their classmates in the same screen, you know, was joyful to watch, you know. So many bright ideas. Anne and Sharon, thank you very much for joining us. That's been a fascinating discussion. If you're interested in the topics we've been discussing, this is one of a series of podcasts from the Equality Commission dealing with educational inequalities. You can find them all on the Equality Commission's website, 